Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. A couple of weeks ago, a bunch of teenagers spammed Modiji's Instagram with millions of thirst comments. And our team still can't stop talking about it. We have a lot of strong views on it. A thirst comment is when someone publicly comments on a social media picture or video or a post complimenting someone in that picture or video. And very often the compliments are of a sexual nature. So today we thought we could break down thirst comments. Where do you draw the line between objectification and complimenting someone? And more broadly, when is flirting creepy and when is it flattering? And can there be such a thing as ethically flirting and expressing your lust and desire for someone in a healthy way? Uh, hi, hi. Uh, I'm Rajvi, the culture editor at the Swaddle. Um, so I wanted to kind of clarify like what we mean by thirst comments, right? Like it can be everything from when like a woman is commenting on Abhideol's Instagram that oh run me over or something like that, or it could be like more vulgar, like you know dick jokes or whatever that are like uh, some some comments on Modi's um Instagram shows. Can I please read out one that like just I just could not stop laughing at was uh, this one woman commenting on Modi's photo. Modi ji, the only papers I'm going to give you are our Nika documents. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like what do you guys think like of, on the scale of creepy to flattering? Where, where do you think that lies? Hi, I'm Anubhuti. Hi, everybody. I'm the associate editor at The Swaddle. I think those comments were hilarious. Hi, this is Carla. Um... I think the comment is hilarious, but I think the reason it's hilarious is precisely because it turns thirst comments on their head, like it subverts this whole idea. So it's taking like this popular sort of way of commenting on a public figure and turning it on its head. And the reason it's funny is specifically because Modi is not the subject of anyone's sexual desire so clearly and so obviously. And so what these people are doing is using him as like a subject of revulsion, right? So they're using thirst comments to show how repulsive they find him and his policies and things that he stands for by using this mechanism. But Carla, like, I just want to ask, like, do, would you have like the same opinion on some of the others where, you know, like kind of um, like dick uh, emojis and like, you know, like, sperm cum emojis and like all of those and there were like more vulgar ones where they're basically asking Modi if, like they could have fuck him in the ass but like they, they were the more vulgar ones which I, I was like completely behind this whole project but when I read those I still became a little bit uncomfortable even though I knew that it was punching up to a powerful politician and these were just like you know a bunch of Gen Z teenagers um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. That line does make me deeply uncomfortable. But I also think one thing that's important to note about this Modi example is that they're not really thirst comments. They're thirst comments as political satire. And there is a long and illustrious history of political satire like around the world that is clever and witty and it's always a little ironic and it is a little bit elitist in a lot of ways right but like this in particular was not I, I don't think of these as like real thirst comments they were using that as a vehicle to satirize a, a you know a public a very powerful public figure a big part of thirst comments is also like random people who find each other attractive or even a I mean a non-celebrity who finds a celebrity attractive sort of just swooping in there and like complimenting them and and that's like a big way in which we sort of initiate any sort of romantic interaction or just like conversation sometimes does it matter the gender of the person 
who's commenting does it matter yeah i mean it's it's weird okay like for example we do the series called overthinking it and uh, like we just released a um video about uh, short hair uh, and like in indian society's obsession with long hair and i have short hair um so i remember this one dude i think it was commenting that hey you are you look beautiful love uh with short hair no don't worry people will approach you something like that he said um i think it's a him um so it's weird cuz i feel like if if like any anybody other than a man had said that i wouldn't have felt uncomfortable and it's nothing to do with my sexuality or whatever like it's it's more just I, like i'm just inherently suspicious of like a dude giving giving compliments even if i mean i don't i don't know like he never messaged me privately or anything he never you know like harassed me or whatever it's just i just felt weird i was like uh okay i, I don't i don't want to dwell on this part anymore i would also like to add that besides the gender do we think that the relation also matters if it if it was just an acquaintance i would have i would have felt a little bit more uncomfortable uh, as compared to a comment that was coming from a friend that i knew or friend that i have spoken to a couple of times so i think it also depends on the kind of relation you share with that person this might be an unpopular opinion I feel like I would much rather receive a thirst comment from a complete stranger than an acquaintance. I would feel super weirded out if like a friend or an acquaintance gave me some like highly sexualized compliment. That to me would cross a boundary much more than like a random stranger who just sees a picture and makes some like, you know, comment about that the some like slightly objectifying comment. So I, for me it would actually go the opposite way than what Anubuti said. Now, I guess it depends exactly what they're saying. If somebody says like, "Oh, you look beautiful in this picture," which is like what I don't think of that as a thirst comment, right? But it's a, like a very benign kind of compliment that your grandmother would give you, then yeah, of course, like if you get that from a friend, that's great. But I think of a thirst comment as something I would much rather receive from a stranger than a uh than somebody I know well. So Carla, I think it's really interesting i think that here maybe we can talk a little bit about digital consent so for example when you're talking about you know like somebody whom you know in real life like um giving you a compliment i feel like at some point that and that weirding you out like at some point that might like cross a boundary in the sense that you decided that your relationship was the such and such and then they kind of traverse that line without like your explicit permission or something but i feel like why don't we put those same considerations online when it comes to digital consent that why is any random person um allowed to like thirst after your picture or give you like an unsolicited compliment and we don't think of it in the same way because i would argue that those lines should exist in real life like online and offline right where is the line between a compliment and like a cross boundary an interesting way to look at that would be to look at the intensity of a thirst comment and obviously we're going to start talking about how this translates offline but it might be fun rajvi if you go ahead and read out like a bunch of thirst comments and um, anubuti and carla both of you have to immediately respond to it saying either creepy or lovely what about something simple like so hot no matter what so fucking hot yeah it's flattering yeah okay loving your aesthetic can't wait to chat about it one on one well you're giving you're doing this whole thing so you're making it a little <laughs> your body language is doing like that like oh i'm trying to be so like slick kind of movement <laughs> Okay, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Okay, poker face. All right. 
it should be illegal to look that good. Fine. I mean, you have terrible game, but it's perfectly fine. More pics like this, and the album won't be the only thing coming soon. Flattering. Interesting. I don't like it. The reference to come is not nice for me. <laughs> Creepy. Some might say you're a snack, but you'd also make an A plus lunch, dinner, and dessert. Love it. Okay, I have to take a break from my poker face. What? Like, that's so creepy. It was going slightly overboard for me. <laughs> it seems it's like very harmless. Yeah. yeah, it's harmless. It's clever. It's like, it's like but using it's- a term. You're not just this. You're the whole package. You're amazing. <laughs> you're bigger than bigger and better. Yeah, it's great. Okay, okay. All right, one more. Last one. Last. Um, well, I guess I'll definitely be seeing you in my dreams tonight. Yeah, it's not creepy it's neutral it's like who cares it's like a child would say that that's not yeah like to me automatically I go into like wet dreams and them having a sex fantasy of the person in their dreams and like why do you immediately go there <laughs> I mean, the, the concept of dreaming of somebody One sec, is this what made a ki rani kab aayegi tu is it oh my God. is it when are you going to come woman of my dreams <laughs> that's the literal <laughs> translation no guys come on <laughs> okay okay so i think for me in all of these like what centers is that if you when you are desiring someone like is it always about sex and if it is then that equals that, that you're fantasizing about having sex with them and that makes it creepy i don't know if the the connections i make in my brain are like very far reaching but that's just that's just what what i think why i don't see why expressing lust or desire in and of itself has to be creepy i feel like there's a respectful way to do that and like Somebody writing in your comments, I want to come on your face. That's mm-hmm. disgusting. Okay. And it's objectifying. And it's like, it's about something that is like humiliating. It's a level that like, you know, it's a boundary you shouldn't cross in so many different ways. But just somebody expressing lustfulness, I don't think is automatically creepy. Why is that automatically creepy? Definition of objectifying that like, you you want to like have someone or you want to consume someone or you want to... Like you, you want to have sex with them and that automatically reduces to somebody that is good for sex. The Venn diagram of like lusting and objectifying overlap, mm-hmm. but not completely. So like, I don't mm-hmm. see why somebody can't express lust without. I, I don't think anybody can't. I think then consent would be the main thing. Like, I don't think I, I would l- like a stranger to be lusting after me. But if it's my partner, then of course, like they can, they can do that. This exercise is making me think, have we been wired to think that everything is creepy? I have a hard time distinguishing between what is creepy and what is not creepy, you know. Everybody, whenever somebody compliments me, I always feel like, oh, is there an ulterior motive to why this person is complimenting me? I don't get it. So that's true in the sense, I think Aditi wrote a piece about how like we are, we have become wired to treat kindness with suspicion that uh, like, the latest generation can't really take compliments, but I don't, I don't think so. One of the things that sort of came up during the Me Too movement, um, you know, when we spoke about gray areas and when we spoke about like uh, interactions which were messy was, is this a case of harassment or is this a case of flirting gone wrong? You know, and uh, could we talk about that a little bit? Taking off from this idea of intensity and language and how you say something. Let's talk about the line between bad flirting and harassment. So I want to 
Um, just bring up an example, uh, which actually is a segue from the previous point as well. So when Me Too India was blowing up, I remember there were a bunch of situations that felt like these gray areas where people really disagreed and they became flashpoints in a lot of this conversation about um, whether you know comments or interactions were inappropriate or not. And I remember one in particular um, that I don't want to say what it is because I feel like it could be identifying um, to the person who I was speaking to. But um, so I remember having this one conversation where there was this message that I read it as like, not only harmless, but actually like kind of complimentary and sweet and like something that would be very easy to just like bat away if you weren't sexually interested in the person, not remotely threatening. And like I said, you know, I don't particularly respond to this, but it's like, I would take it as harmless and, and like kind and nice. And the person I was talking to was in tears over how threatening and scary and like um, intrusive and inappropriate, she found this comment. And it was really an important moment for me in realizing just how differently we perceive these things, depending on whatever our history, our context, our personal experiences are, we all come to the table with such a different lens when we read these things that it is impossible for me to say that this comment was objectively like harmless or complimentary because the person next to me is crying in response to it. And it didn't even, it wasn't even directed at her. So this this is making me think of like a, a thing that I guess I believed while growing up and it took a lot of unlearning um, is that, you know, like women, if we're, if we're talking about like male and female, then I think like dudes want sex uh, and they'll do like anything to get it. Uh, and like women have to, you know, like, acquiesce to having sex with dudes um and this kind of like hierarchy in who has like a like a stronger sex drive and like all of this all of this shit that I mean at this model we have debunked like millions of times like I think that this feeds into the whole thing right that if we believe that all dudes just want to have sex and like they they'll go to any lengths to get it from anybody um then of course, like that suspicion comes in and whoever's been kind of conditioned like that growing up or seen people like that growing up, like they, it, it's valid that they would then put that on any any person who's up trying to approach them. So I don't I don't think maybe anybody's at fault here, but um, isn't it OK for someone to sexually desire a person and put it out there? Uh, in a way that's non-threatening and what is the line between where do you start finding that expression of sexual desire towards you either by a stranger or a friend or an acquaintance when does that start becoming creepy or when does that start becoming inappropriate and who defines that so I feel like on this point, um, context and environment is extremely important and it matters whether you feel like whether the person receiving it feels safe. And so I'll give you like an example. I mean, we've joked in the office before about how I'm the only one who loves being catcalled, right? And I've, I've made this joke, but it sounds so crazy to all of you every time I say it, but I don't mind it. Like if I'm walking down the street and somebody like catcalls something at me, I get a spring in my step. Like, like I feel like, oh, I look good today. Like, thanks for the compliment. And I keep walking and you know, my, my, my shoulders are a little higher and my step is a little bouncier. But here's the thing about those. Those moments, when I feel that way, we have to like understand that those are moments where I feel completely safe in my environment. I don't feel threatened in any way. 
I'm in a safe neighborhood. I'm walking down a street where I feel in control. You know, I feel like the environment is one that is safe for me. And I don't feel like that person is actually physically threatening me in any way. Now, if the same exact comment were to come in a dark alley on a street in like a country where I don't speak the language or whatever, I mean, you can extend the metaphor. But the point is in an environment where I feel totally unsafe and unsupported and like threatened, I would have a completely different reaction, obviously. So I think that you could kind of extend that to an online environment and try to think about why is it that we're already primed to feel threatened in our online uh, conversations. But Carla, then I would say that, I don't know, like when I was covering like crime, when I was like a crime reporter, um, it was, it's really weird, like these things, with the with the internet for example like i it's really entrenched in my brain that these things can happen anywhere from anybody at any time like and i think that is what has made like catcalling like just such a threat maybe when you're walking down the street and you know that like the whole uh stereotype is that construct like people's like hanging out outside construction sites are like these catcallers whatever um it's just I don't think that there is any moment in which I will be able to feel completely safe and in control when something like this happens. And then it also puts me in like an uncomfortable position, right? Like, am I supposed to smile or say thank you or keep walking? Or if it angers me, like I don't have the space to go up to the person and be like, just shut up, you know, because then I I risk like angering them and then I don't know what they'll do. So I think all of these considerations ultimately boil down to this deep feeling of discomfort um, that I think then translates translates to suspicion. Um, but I, I disagree with your point about feeling in control. I don't think that that's a thing that anybody can fully believe that they have. I would actually pick it apart just to say that, um, I mean, first of all, we know, like just from all this data, it's like a commonly known fact now that like you're more likely to be attacked by people you know than people you don't know, right? So realistically, the, you know, construction worker, like stereotype of the person calling you, realistically, that person's not going to come run after you and attack you. But I don't think that explains why, like, I, I think we're, we're digressing from like why it feels so threatening if a stranger online compliments somebody, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're going in a different tangent. No, so I think that it all comes together in the sense that, as you said, right, that we're more likely to be uh, th- like... Uh, somebody you know is more likely to be a threat to you, then that, imagine, I mean, growing up, if like, you know this from reading articles, for example, like you exist in this constant state of suspecting everybody around you. Um, You know that no matter how good somebody is to you, like you're always like, oh shit, something goes wrong and then I don't know how how that's going to impact me. So of course, that suspicion, that state of suspecting everything, like, spills over into spheres that perhaps we know are not going to be as threatening as others. But it's more about like what happens to the person when they are forced to exist in that state. So do you think it's somewhat generational? Like, do you think that there's an age thing here? Because, I mean, I don't know. I think I might be 13, 14, 15 years older than you. I'm not sure exactly. But like, I did not grow up that way. I didn't spend my teenage years that way. I didn't spend my, we didn't have like online profiles where people commented on our appearance when we were 16. Like we didn't exist thinking that every man out there was like a potential threat, whether online or in person. Maybe that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I'm thinking like growing up, um, 
you know like when facebook had just started to like i had just gone on facebook and it was still a thing um like getting getting like weird creepy messages from people who were my acquaintances from different schools or getting followed uh like every evening people would go out and like we would be on our scooters and our cars and like two hours of just kind of like seeing and be be seen kind of situation i think that's what like gary culture in chandigarh like that's where it comes from um but then what that ended up was me literally doing like a chase not a chase or like somebody's chasing me or like following me like a couple of dudes on a bike uh and then i have to lose them so i go like into alleys and whatever and it was like a game like when i was growing up it didn't it felt so normal to me because this like threat from them was just so normalized um that i knew that i had to lose them and i had to get home without them knowing where i live um and this happened like a couple of times every week easily um so like i don't i don't know i mean, i am from a small town uh, in gujarat so if that gives you any context i don't know but that's i mean that's hideous like that's absolutely hideous and the fact that that was like a mundane quotidian experience I I do think that shapes a lot. You know some of these ideas around cat calling or giri culture even what you spoke about Rajvi kind of a lot of people have written and spoken about how that actually gave young women uh, or gives young women the potential to be able to that's one of the few avenues where they have freedom to meet young men like in heteronormative spaces and interact with them without policing. So so I think it's interesting because the same space that gives you more freedom and gives you more you know liberation to explore your sexuality fantasies etc also can become such a dangerous space for you so tara to your point like i'm also wondering so it's not that like every compliment that i've ever gotten i've been creeped out by right like sometimes like i find myself feeling good about it and then catching myself to be like oh i don't know what to do now um so it's also about you know this whole idea of that oh women you should take compliments like be gracious say thank you whatever like i also think that it's like a slippery slope that you say thank you and that's seen as something like an opening for the person to kind of then persist in whatever they want from you right uh, and that brings me to like the like the bollywood movies and like this thing that we've that, that we've like normalized which is teri naam hai ha hai like when you say yes when you say no you mean yes ke doesn't matter if you say yes or no right now i know that in the end you know you're going to you're going to see how amazing i am and all of this is like salman khan movies and a lot of like the a lot of movies from that era have normalized that which i think is uh, which i think kind of puts it into the gay culture thing also ke you know like following someone stalking someone as long as your intentions are good like you're attracted to them and you want to give them nice compliments and flowers and whatever then it's fine so i feel like it's a very slippery slope like i as a woman just don't know how to handle that even if it doesn't creep me out at first there's always this possibility that it's going to and they're not going to back off and so that just prevents me from engaging in the first place i agree with rajvi here because it becomes it becomes very difficult to um difficult to distinguish between what what is what is good flirting and what is not because personally i do have a lot of problem in in assessing that because um and i think when we're not on the same page and i realize that okay this is this is coming across as creepy and this is crossing a line so i think i think that mindset needs to be established a lot earlier in the conversation and which is when i think it will become easier for us to to distinguish between the two 
Yeah, and I think it all goes back to talking about love, sex, sexuality, fantasy, romance more openly for everyone across genders, right? Like, because clearly none of us know how to deal with this shit, and none of us know how to express this uh, properly or not. But I think there are still very clear cut definitions of something that we've all gone back to is that when you are making someone else uncomfortable, and it's clear you need to back off, you know. And I think that's one thing that, of course, is laid out, but it is in all of these gray areas of interactions of you know people commenting, people commenting with strangers, friends, etc. That I think a lot of these um, complications sort of arise. Just as a last question, um, I know like we've gone on like many different threads here, but. Do you think there can be such a thing as ethical flirting? Do you think there can be such a thing as "quote unquote" good flirting? And if we all know it's very complicated, but if you had some things in your mind about like what ethical flirting could be, what what would it be? I mean, it's all about testing the waters, no? Like, uh, I mean, yeah, like if you want to talk to someone, then just send them. Like, don't attack them with a compliment. Just like you know, like send like a nice. whatever like a hi or something if you wanted to uh and uh, like i i'm i still don't know how i exactly i feel about like a stranger who trying to talk to me uh online but it's just like i don't know just test the waters like i don't think that automatically like a compliment on my looks uh or uh, like what they want from me or something is is 100% going to put me off like it's not something that i'm i'm going to engage in so ethical flirting i guess would be consensual flirting after they have gauged where i'm at with with respect to their personality oh boy oh boy <laughs> don't attack them with a compliment okay where do i start okay so first of all i think like the fact that we're even framing compliments as attacks is like really really interesting but i don't know in an online context how else right so if some if you're putting a photo of yourself out there what else would you like the person to comment on so you're saying they can't comment on your looks and they need to get to know you and comment on something more substantive before they make any comment at all well then there should just be no comments on any like visual sort of representation of you online like so people i mean come on people can't say like you look beautiful in this photo So Kala, I, I, mean, I feel like I, you know how I feel about beauty, like that. I, I don't think that it should I be. I know. I don't think any. I wouldn't know how to. If somebody told me write a compliment, like a compliment for somebody, write a compliment for Rajvi, like you know, like you have to do like a Cyrano de Bergerac, like write for somebody who wants to court her. I would be like, I don't know what to write. <laughs> no wait. So I think I have a. I have a quote from Grey's Anatomy and Sandra O oh, like Christina's uh Sandra's character Christina says this that don't don't tell me how hot I am compliment me on my brain or something like that like I would the be person okay. doesn't know your brain yet that's no, the point <laughs> saying that somebody likes you based on your looks is very very different from complimenting somebody's looks like a person who is sitting in a different city and is commenting on a photo or a tweet or a whatever that person's not even trying to date you they're just showing appreciation yeah, yeah. i mean so then i think like it, again it depends on the intensity of the thirst comment right or if it's even thirsty or just like complimentary um but the 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 more for the more benign ones like the discomfort that i get is from like as a kind of foregrounding how i look um in how they are seeing me which uh, feels weird so clearly there are no even at our conclusion we've not reached at any 
easy answers. I think this is one of our first respectfully disagrees where we've actually not ended up with like a, you know, this is actually we've wrapped it all up and we figured it all out, which shows us just how complicated things are. From those comments to catcalling to complimenting people in person to engaging a message interaction with them, everything is super, super complicated. But there are definite lines which everyone can draw and figure for themselves and respect each other's boundaries. At the same time, I think we should also question, uh, you know, where we draw those boundaries, how we draw those boundaries, what determines where all of those ideas of drawing boundaries, of expressing ourselves comes from. And that's always great. But on that note of no definite conclusions, but a bunch of definitely super interesting thirst comments. Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Aditi's not here to cancel me today. So I can say whatever. <laughs> so on that note, uh, see you next time with yet another dilemma that we unpack and disagree about. And hopefully next time we can come to some sort of a conclusion for you. <laughs> but yeah. for now, we're just going to leave you with a bunch of thoughts. Thoughts. Yeah, too many thoughts. And then, and then we'll die. Okay. And then we'll die. And then we'll die. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>